Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, babies in their diapers, welcome to the Tiberia Show with your host, Tiberius Boy! That's me, Tiberius! And welcome to the Tiberius Show today, and I'm your host, Tiberius Boy! As always, looking at various jobs and how they affect the world around us. Today's is going to be very interesting. We're going to talk to a 911 operator and fire officer. Do you have any idea what a 911 director does? Well, neither do I. Let's find out. Let me introduce our next guest. The one, the only, the amazing, Barry Fury. Hey, Tiberius. Thanks for such an enthusiastic welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem, and thank you for being on the show. Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so U.S. is a 911 director. For most of us, I have no idea what that means. Can you explain it? Yeah, certainly. Um, most communities have a 911 center where emergencies are reported, and somebody has to be in charge of that, uh, of that facility, just like a business has a, a manager. Uh, 911 centers have a director that oversees the entire operation. Mm-hmm. So, do you oversee the entire 911 center and all the people that work there? Yeah, that's that's correct. But I'd like to tell people that while I don't answer any 911 calls, I'm responsible for every 911 call. It's, it's my duty to oversee the folks who answer your phone calls, who dispatch emergencies, and then provide all of the different support services that keep the 911 center running 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Mm -hmm. So how many different jobs are there in a 911 center? Well, it depends on on where you're at, Tiberius. Uh, The smaller the community, uh, obviously probably the fewer jobs that are there. Uh, And some communities, people share some jobs, but there's a position called a call taker, which is the person who actually answers the phone and gets things ready to go. Then there's a dispatcher who is the person who relays that information to the appropriate emergency vehicles to go to your call. The call taker finds out where you are and whether there's a fire or a crime or someone who's hurt. The dispatcher then sends the appropriate resources to that scene There are typically supervisors and sometimes even assistant supervisors who work on every shift to try to handle big problems or help people through with some decision making. And then you've got all sorts of support personnel Uh, because you're surrounded by computers. There are people who work on, on computers, either fixing them or programming and installing them. Because you use radio, there are folks who are radio technicians who make sure that all the radios are maintained, that you stay on the air. There are more technical people who make sure that other items like your generator works because 911 has to operate during a power failure, even if it lasts for for days. You've got those folks. And then you've got the people who work in administration, very much like any company has somebody do payroll, for example, or may work on benefits or may work on checking people's background during the hiring process. And then certainly we've got many people in 911 who are trainers. 
who, when people are hired, they're responsible for their initial training. And then throughout the career, everyone in bigger 911 centers especially has ongoing training to bring them up to speed on changes in policy, procedure, or new equipment. Mm-hmm. Well, my dad plays a video game where he's a 911 operator and he takes calls and determines if he needs to send police or fire or even medical staff. So is that really how it works? Well, in some places it, 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 it may be. There are downtimes between some calls and, and people may take some different activities, especially if you're working night shift at three or four o'clock in the morning. If it's quiet, you might have to find something else to kind of keep yourself busy to stay alert. But the whole 911 system almost operates like a video game and that you've got a lot of different monitors in front of you and a lot of things are going on and you've got a mouse or you know typically the the same hardware you might use to play a video game at home nice now i've seen a tv where the operators have lots of big monitors with all sorts of stuff on them what kinds of things are, are they tracking and why is it important well that's that's a great question and pretty much especially because 911 is an emergency service pretty much everything that's up there that they're tracking is important but some of the things that they might see is that one monitor may be where they fill out the information from a call they've just taken and there are all kinds of boxes that you can tab through and you'll have things like your address or your phone number and your name or uh, what what's on fire or what the crime is or who's hurt so you may have a screen for that you may have another screen that displays all of those things that are going on in your in your area in a you know in a big city there may literally be hundreds of emergencies happening at the same time That's and true. there's an overview to see all of them and typically especially since so many 911 calls come in from wireless telephones there'll be a monitor that, that holds a map and that'll show you where the calls are and in many cases it shows what units might be there at that call and then there'll be another uh, monitor depending upon what you're doing that may show all the vehicles or departments that are under your control and some places you may dispatch police or you may dispatch fire another day or ems and again if you're dispatching fire then all the fire trucks that you have available will be on that one monitor mm, nice so what's that best part about being a first responder help helping people it, it really and, and and truly is uh you are helping different people with different problems Mm -hmm. Every single day. And that, that's absolutely the best. Mm -hmm. Now, here seems like a good time to take a quick commercial break. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Aw, Dad, my computer's slow again and I can't play my games. Call your computer solutions today and we will scan for viruses and clean that computer up remotely and make it fast again. Our phone number is 407-826-0810. Thanks, Dad. My computer's fast again. Now I can do my homework. Thanks for calling your computer solutions at 407-826-0810. And we are back here talking with Barry Fury. Barry is a director of a 911 communication center. So, Barry, we talked about some of the jobs at a 911 center. But what kind of training do you need to work in a 911 center? Like, do you need to go to college? No, uh, it, it, there may be a few centers in, in the uh, country that require that, but most of them that I'm aware of, a high school diploma or even a GED 
is sufficient to, to be, be hired. Now, different states, different communities may have an age limit, uh, a lower age limit. You may have to be 21 in some communities and others. That, that doesn't, doesn't matter. So that's one thing to consider. But in terms of the training for most physicians, such as uh, the call taker or dispatcher, you will come in and you will receive training at that center itself. There will be a curriculum that you have to pass. And again, the amount and type of training you get depends upon many times the size of a, of a facility. Uh, but in addition to what you get in the classroom, you'll be monitored for several months as on the floor by somebody who's helping you take the calls and send the right people, make sure you don't make, make a mistake. And the other thing that you may have to do as part of training is there are what's known as protocols that are produced um, by different expert companies that provide a list of standardized questions that you ask if somebody has a fire or a police emergency or a fire emergency. So all that is received during initial training and again, updated uh, ongoing. Mm -hmm. The technical positions are probably most likely the ones in the management positions are the ones that you are required to have some background. Obviously, if you're going to yeah, yeah. maintain the critical computer infrastructure of 911, you're going to want somebody that knows hardware maintenance, coding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the, the people who are in management are typically, although not always, required to have some uh, degrees in that particular field. But anybody who comes in the door um, as a call taker or a dispatcher. Uh, typically receives training by the agency. And again, you're paid while you're being trained. You're considered to be on the job. And so mm -hmm. you're paid during the however many weeks or months it takes to complete the training. Yeah. So let's. So this is all exciting and stuff, but let's take a step back here for a minute. Because, sure. well, first, first responders are there because an emergency has happened. Well, this might be a good time to talk about how to act when an emergency happens and how to report it. Like, can you help me out here? Sure. Those are, those are great, great questions. I hope you really share them with your audience and, and your friends. The first thing is you should never call 911 as a prank, but you should never be afraid to call 911. If you think there's a problem that somebody's hurt, that you smell smoke, um, that you see what appears to be a crime going on, first of all, don't be afraid to, to call. Let let the public safety first responders go out there and make a determination as to how serious the problem is. Um, second of all, be prepared to answer questions when you reach 911. Uh, we are going to ask you a, a whole lot of questions, and many people say, wait a minute, why, this is, why are you answering all this? I just want a police officer to send them right now and hang up the phone. That's probably the worst thing that you could do. Yeah. The, question, the questions that we ask are, are there for purpose to determine how serious your problem is, exactly where you are, and who to send in an emergency. And then, you know, past that point, if you hang up at any point, either then or before somebody at 911 answers, uh, the process is almost stopped. You will have to, it's like calling. Oh, a TV show or calling uh, a, you know, a repair person, 
if the 911 operator does not answer right away, stay on the line. I know people are like, oh my God, I want to, I want to get help. I want to get help. Stay on the line because you're going to be, somebody's going to get to you as quickly as you can. Now, the one thing that I would say to you, if you are calling in a fire, especially if that fire is in your house or threatening your yeah. house, that's the time to get out of your house before you call. Uh, fires can spread so, so quickly uh, that every second counts. You need to let your parents know, let everybody yeah. in the house know, and get out to a safe or designated meeting place. You should know before the fire, hey, if our house is on fire, where are we all going to meet? And that's to make sure that you all know you're all there. All same place, same time, same same process. So, you know, that's some of the real big things about, you know, what to do mm -hmm. uh, when you have emergency. The other thing I would tell people to remember it, a lot of people don't think this is true. When you are calling from a cell phone, 911 may or may not know where you are. Uh, it is a very inexact science. For example, when you call from your house phone or a house that's in a, in a business or an office, we pretty much know exactly where that phone is because that phone cannot move. The phone company has records of where they installed that phone, and those records go into the 911 database, and that phone's not moving anywhere. It's, it's fastened to the wall through a jack. However, yeah. your cell phone is a mobile phone, and, and mobile, yeah. means, mobile means you can move. So even though we do get information on cell phones and mobile phones, it's not 100% exact. And there can be several buildings within that area. And so, you know, it's important to give all the information that you're asked if you call on the cell phone. Mm -hmm. So usually adults deal with this stuff, but why is it important for kids to know how to report an emergency in talk with a first responder? Oh, um, well, in one of the 911 centers that I managed, we had a, a program. We started a program that was called I Knew What to Do. And in fact, we honored kids who were 12 and under who did a spectacular job using 911, and you would be surprised how many uh, times that comes into play. Many of them called 911 when they were home alone with their parents, and their parents had a medical emergency. So it's very important to know the number, how to dial, and how to answer all these questions that I was talking about. And there are also situations where kids are home alone, they come home from school, uh, mom or dad or, or adult isn't around for maybe an hour or two uh, after they get home. And so you've got those situations too. So uh, it's it's great for everybody who can learn to use a phone, can learn to report an emergency properly. Mm -hmm. So Barry, what's the hardest part about your job? Oh, the hardest part about the job uh, these days, Tiberius, is the fact that Public safety, in particular 911, is currently very shorthanded. So the, the most difficult thing about the job right now is trying to recruit and retain people and make sure there's enough employees on the job to handle the emergencies that, that may come up that, that shift. Mm -hmm. So what's that one thing that you think would make your job easier? More people. More, more people. It, 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 it really would be. There is a... As all across public safety right now, there's a really, really difficult shortage of, you know, firefighters, police officers, paramedics, and 911 telecommunicators. And, and so, you know, part of that 
is getting the message out through folks like you to let people know, hey, wait a minute, there's a job out there. Here's what you need to do that job. It's kind of a pretty cool job. You help people. And most of the time, you don't need a college education to do it. And, you know, there are 911 centers all across the country. Mm -hmm. And they're all hiring. So, you know, if you really have an idea that, hey, you know, I'd like to live in Hawaii or I'd like to live in New York or you can probably check out, get a job and, and move there if, if you'd like. It's one of the few times where when you're going somewhere, you can be pretty sure that somebody within driving distance of that city is hiring 911 telecommunicators. Mm -hmm. So why has this vocation been so much of a passion for you? I was brought up around it. Uh, my grandfather was a police officer. My father was a firefighter. Um, he took me to the firehouse from when I was a kid on up. And in fact, when I was a teenager, I was even allowed to help the, around the firehouse a little bit. And sometimes at, at fires, just helping clean up and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a way that people can can really do good for other other people, and I you know, and I really I really believe that. I mean, and for even if you are somebody who is, I would say, risk adverse, you don't really want to get out there in the smoke and the fire and, That's the, true. and the blood and the crashes. Being a telecommunicator allows you to help people without getting out of your seat, and you can yes. help somebody who's thirty miles away. Without, without leaving your chair. And that's why, again, if some of your fans have, you know, some sort of mobility issues, uh, it's also a, a profession that they can really get into that, that help others. If you were in a wheelchair, um, you know, it's, it's a great, great place to work. You can do an awful lot of good when, while you're there. Mm -hmm. Now, it says in your bio mm -hmm. that you were also a fire officer. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. Well, it means that I held... Well, the fire department has what you would call a paramilitary structure in that you have firefighters who are uh, essentially soldiers, uh, and then you have officers, and you have some of the same officers as you might in the military, like captain and lieutenant, but then you have uh, training officers and chiefs and assistant chiefs and a lot of folks who are in charge of planning and trying to make sure that the fire ground operation makes sure that everybody is, is safe. Mm -hmm. uh, you pay attention to life hazards, to property hazards. So the fire officer is somebody who fills one of those leadership positions. Mm -hmm. So that means you're in charge of the firemen, right? Like, do you have to go on TV? Sometimes. Sometimes you will go on TV to have a, a press conference. Uh, there'll be questions about... Uh, well, sometimes during, let's say, fire safety, fire prevention week, you may go on there to make sort of public safety announcements to uh, tell people how to stay safe from fire or even how to report emergencies like we talked about, about here today. Or after a big emergency, you may have to go on TV or radio or, or anywhere in the press to you know, talk about what happened and, and, you know, how can it be kept from happening again. Mm -hmm. What's the largest difference between being a 911 director and a fire officer? The fact that as a fire officer, you are in the field and a 911 director is there in, in the office. You may be hearing what's going on. You're not seeing what's going on. Although with new improvements in 911 and next generation 911, 
there will be the ability to send pictures and streaming videos along with your 911 call. Mm. So, is being a firefighter a lot of physical work? Like, do you have to be able to do all that stuff to be a fire officer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, fire officers uh, come up through the ranks. And even the chief of a big department like Los Angeles or Chicago or, or New York, at some point, um, serve time as a firefighter or a junior fire officer. So, yeah, there's a lot of physicality involved in firefighting. Uh, however, especially in larger departments, while, when you become chief, uh, there is much less physicality involved because during the off times when firefighters may be training or doing station maintenance, mm-hmm. etc., the fire chief is busy planning uh, things like budget, or, you know, where should every fire station be? How many people do we need? And when the fire occurs, the fire chief is there to take the big picture of what we call the 360 size up of the operation. And that's every side of the fire that you can look at what's going on there. So he or she can't be on the hose line or the top of the ladder because every firefighter has a very narrow function. Mm-hmm. On the tension, and that's on what you're trying to do. If you're on the hose line and the fire's over there, you want to be over there to put the water over there. If you're on a search and rescue team, then you need to be in the building at a certain location, just concentrating on that. But the fire chief and the officers have to take a look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. So what's the most fun part about doing this type of work? Oh, the fun part? Well, heck, you get to drive fast trucks, you get to blow the siren, you got to go into somebody's house with wet boots and you get to break glass. I mean, how much more fun does it get? Not much fun. No. But, Not much but, fun but, after but, that, yeah. But again, seriously, it is, it is helping helping people and seeing yeah. the rewards and seeing people who are thankful for what, 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 what you did. But I do always kind of answer that question the same way because it's you know it's all kinds of things you wish you could get away with doing when you were younger and now you now you can do them yeah so what's the craziest thing that's happened while you were doing your passion oh boy how how long is your show tiberius will be you know people and emergencies are crazy situations um i think one of the craziest was and probably one of the less traumatic uh, was a man wanted to get rid of the weeds on his front lawn. And so he went back in his house and he got a can of gasoline, which he poured all over his front lawn. Now, keep in mind, it's about 80 degrees and the sun is out. And when he got out there, he wanted to burn them off. And he remembered, realized, I guess, that he didn't have anything to light the gas with. So he went back into the house to find a book of matches. Well, during this whole time, I I see your eyes. You know what happens with gasoline when it sits in the sun or gets warm. Well, when he came out, he lit a match. And luckily, he didn't get hurt. But in one smooth wave, it wiped out. Not only the weeds. Yeah, bam. The whole yard. Yeah, his whole yard. Exactly. And I just always remember that. He was so, so lucky. Uh, that he wasn't hurt, but that was that was one of the craziest things I've seen happen. It's like why? It's like well, why you know, pour if, gasoline? <laughs> if if everybody thought why, 
a lot of public safety people would be out of business. And that's the problem, that a lot of times what causes an emergency is people don't don't think, you know, why would you do that? Why would you use a flammable liquid, you know, around an open flame? And I've seen that happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, so people who don't take safety seriously oftentimes find out why okay, there are yeah. warnings on different different devices. So this is kind of like an easy question, but how does this work make the world a better place? Well, I would like to think that over time, uh, folks in my profession, not me personally, but have saved millions of lives and probably billions of dollars worth of property. And somebody has to be a helper. Uh, I mean, that's just part, I think, of being a good good person, being a good citizen. I, I think it's nice not only to do the helping, but to have people realize, you know, there's a number you can call and there are people who will come out and help. And, and, and I think that's what makes the world a better place. Mm -hmm. well, what's the first step that every person should do if they want to get started in the first responder industry? Uh, what they should do is probably, number one, check the websites of their local agencies. Almost every police, fire, sheriff, EMS agency has a website. So Google those folks who are in your immediate area and see what they're see what they're doing. Uh, again, search for first responder websites. There are many uh, out there that uh, either deal with the magazines for first responders or carry a specific uh, interest group that they talk about. I mean, you can even look at manufacturers of fire trucks and see what's new in in the, in the fire truck field. The other thing I would say is to email or write again agencies in your area and tell them who you are and what you're interested in why and in mm -hmm. fact um you know most fire stations are, are happy when you knock yeah. on the door if they're not busy and a lot of agencies will conduct a tour especially for groups um if you just send them an email and say hey you know me and my friends would like to come down and see what the 911 center's like you know and, and see what they say uh, since 9 11 some things have changed with the agencies, but most of them are all pretty agreeable to, you know, if, if they won't, can't provide a tour, they'll at least give you some information that's yeah. very helpful if you're interested in that career. Okay. What advice would you give to my listeners if they wanted to grow up and work in this field? Uh, well, the first is, and you probably hear this from everybody, is to keep a clean criminal record. Uh, there is a um, some states, the qualifications for a uh, telecommunicator are often more stringent than even for police officers. And firefighters are required to go into people's houses when they are not there, uh, come into contact with all types of valuables. So obviously, there is a uh, a trust, excuse me, issue in both professions. So. And again, these days, it's uh, something that uh, people don't think about. But when you are being investigated for these positions, your social media uh, history can often be looked at. Uh, and if you are posting some things that are extremely offensive or racist or hateful, um, that can come back to many times disqualify you for uh, any government position 
but especially in public safety where you are out uh, interacting with the public either by phone or in person every day. Wow. So what's the best advice that you've ever received, and who gave you that advice? Uh, my father, and I can't remember the author of this, but it's basically that um, we only pass this way once, and to use the opportunity to do as much good as you can uh, while you're here. Mm-hmm. So what was the very first job that you've ever had? And was there anything you learned from that job that helped you be a better 911 director? The very first job I ever had was uh, as a, uh, a janitor, essentially, a groundskeeper, when I was in, um, actually it was in high school. It was a summer, summer job. So technically, that's the um, first job I've ever had. And it really just taught me how to deal with and interact with people because that's very important, especially in the 911 industry. You've got to interact with people who are not having a nice day when they call you. Uh, so you, you've got you've to learn that. But um, I started in the fire department, volunteer fire department, when I was 18. And I started as a telecommunicator uh, when I was 20. So I don't have a really long work history outside of public safety. And again, of course, college was mixed in with all those years. So, uh, you know, I've sort of been a lifelong public safety employee. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break to pay some bills. So you want to make an ad for your company, right? Yeah, Tiberius, you want to help me? Okay, so what's the name of the company? PPWND. PP what? Professional Pressure Washing and Detailing. So you like clean driveways? Yeah, like that. We pressure wash commercial buildings and semi-truck and trailers. So how would someone get a hold of you? Uh, they can visit my site at ppwnd.com or call me at 407-900-7793. So why just tell them to call you at 407-900-7793 or visit PP wnd.com? Yeah, Tiberius, you got it. Cut, that's a wrap. Just use that. The Tiberius Show would like to thank Boggy Creek Day Road Adventures for being one of our sponsors. I got to go on an airboat and saw a real gator. I even got to go to the gem mine and mine for some gems. We ate a steak dinner at the restaurant and even got some gator rights. If you want to have a blast with the entire family, I suggest you go to www.bcairboats.com right now to get your tickets today. The website again is bcairboats.com. And we are back here with Officer and 911 Director Barry Fury. Well, Barry, I love asking about how AI can help with people's jobs. And do you think AI can help with emergency services? Oh, most most certainly. I mean, AI and even things like chat GPT are in the uh, future of almost any industry. Uh, AI, for AI in a sense, uh, even is involved with what we would call phone trees where you use them like at a bank or something like, like that to input different information uh, and uh, or even some chat situations where you're actually interacting with a bot or some other form of, of AI. And, you know, there will be, at least for the time being, until things get a little more sophisticated than they are, it probably won't deal with 
handling true emergencies. Mm-hmm. But number one, it's obviously a valuable tool for training where you can utilize AI essentially to even generate uh, mock 911 calls to people in a controlled environment where it's not really coming in on 911, but it's coming in in a classroom where telecommunicators are working. There's, there's that. And there's also on the input side a way to use AI to manage non-emergency calls because there are some calls that, for example, many people will call 911 who have had a minor accident or have had some minor property damage and are really looking to satisfy their insurance company that they have filed a police report that, yeah, mm-hmm. this indeed happened. AI is of great value in those types of situations where we can manage non-emergency types of, of information, freeing up the telecommunicators to handle the real life and death situations. Mm-hmm. Now, since you work with so many different first responders, do you think you can find a few that might, 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 that might want to be on my show? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, your dad and I had a very brief conversation about that. But uh, I have been lucky enough to be involved in uh, many professional organizations uh, that have uh, given me contacts, uh, not only through the United States, but, but overseas. So, yeah, I'd be certain to provide some uh, folks who would be very happy to talk to you and your audience. Well, thank you. Well, my dad always tells police officers and military people, thank you for your service. Do you get that a lot from people? Uh, yeah, I do. But uh, you know, and it's nice when I when I do. But I think most people in yeah, well, first of all, nine one one telecommunicators don't hear that a lot. I, I'll be the first to say that. Uh, and you know, I don't know why, but that's sort of just the way it is. Uh, I I think most of the wishes a little different. Now, the folks who get told told thank you for your service really are the visible first responders, the folks who are out there in the street, you know, firemen, people see the, the direct result of their actions, police EMS the same way. Um, although police don't actually get thanked that much either because many times uh, people are not happy with the reason they're arriving. Uh, but I think perhaps that telecommunicators being behind the phone, uh, they're sort of removed from the action, and so people don't really take time to thank them. And also, firefighters are around after the emergency. The fire's out. The firefighters are around picking things up. People go, oh, yeah. great, you did a good job. When the telecommunicator is in contact with the public is only during the initial phases of the emergency. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're there and gone. And one of the stressful things about uh, 911 telecommunicators is that often uh, the pace can be so quick, they don't know the result of the call that they've they've taken. They've taken the call and they're on to the next call and somebody else is dealing with the fire or the the rescue or whatever is going on. So, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. part of that is, again, because they're only talking to people during the emergency and it's really not time for idle chat, even thank you. Uh, That's probably what drives that more than anything. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the biggest mistake you ever made and how did it change as a person? Oh, again, how long is this show? The biggest mistake I've ever, ever made. Um, Probably the biggest mistake is sometimes to not be um, so thorough in my planning. Um, 
and I certainly have changed much more since then. And the example was um, we were putting in a new computer-aided dispatch system, and I had uh, a lot of help from our user agencies who essentially lent me to let me personnel to, to help me with a lot of the critical phases because we did not have many telecommunicators that we could pull away from the 911 phones to do all these little projects that really needed to be done. And um, what happened in the midst of this uh, was uh, the outbreak of uh, the Desert Storm uh, campaign and the uh, military actions in the Middle East. And unfortunately for me, most of the personnel that they had lent me were in the military reserve and who are now being lent to the Army and the Navy and, and, and the Air Force. So uh, I have learned now not only to plan for backups on all my technical systems, but on any projects, uh, plan backup after backup on personnel who can fill uh, the shoes of someone who might have to step away for a few few weeks. Yes. So when you're not working, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Oh, uh, a lot of things. Um, I do have children of my own, and that's uh, that's a lot of fun. I like photography, um, like uh, some sports, although I'm aging out of most of those. Uh, with fishing and just kind of getting out uh, okay. music. You know, pretty much like like anybody else, I've got a wide variety of interests, and it kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Okay, so do you play video games? And if you do, what's your favorite one? Oh, I video games. Um, I really don't play a lot of them. Um, not even kids, on your phone. No, not even on my. Not even. I'm. You know, I'm. I'm, I'm gonna play boring video games to you, Tiberius, on my phone, things like Solitaire and Mahjong and, and uh, you know. Uh, Those are still considered video games, but. Yeah, they are, but they're, they're kind of boring. I mean, you, you know, uh, back in the day when they first came out, I had the old original Atari games and things like mm -hmm. that, like, uh, you know, Space Invaders and Frogger and things like that. And that's And Pac-Man, that's really dating myself. Uh, my kids, uh, like, uh, Minecraft, more than anything, they're all yeah. big Minecraft fans. So that's probably what I am exposed to the most would, would be Minecraft. Okay. So what's your favorite book to read that you have not written? Oh, favorite book to read that I have not written. Uh, I like really kind of uh, nonfiction more than fiction. I used to be a big fiction fan. But I like reading people's stories or historical events or what things have gone on in the world and why. And if they were kind of bad things, is there anything we can do to try to lessen them happening again? Or to just take a look at, um, you know, biographies or autobiographies, what have famous and not so famous people done. And, uh, you know, of course, unfortunately, I do get mired down in a bunch of technical reading that... Uh, I have to, to track changes in the industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Can you tell me that one story? You don't remember. This is a kid's show. The one story, well, that you're not supposed to tell me about. Come on. You can tell me. Um, I, I will tell you that as a firefighter and fire officer, um, 
I have seen a significant amount of tragedy uh, in people's lives. When I was out of high school for about a year and a half, a school bus from our town carrying um, students, high school students, uh, who I either directly knew or were uh, freshmen, sophomores when I was uh, in school, uh, got hit by a freight train. And uh, so I'll just uh, I'll just leave it at that. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's the appropriate appropriate word. Um, and it I, I will tell you one thing: it was alternately the best and worst day in my life. The worst day for what I saw. The best day for what it really got me on track, and the recognition um, that. There are no promises out of life. Uh, when you are 20, uh, you think you are bulletproof and you don't realize that um, your survival is based upon where you decided to uh, stand or sit in a bus on a Friday morning. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, is there anything you think my listeners should know about you? Uh, I think we've covered a lot of it, and I think this really show shouldn't be about me, but it's about what people out there can mm -hmm. help learn to properly report emergencies and how they may consider a, a very, very satisfying career in public safety. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have a Facebook or website for my listeners want to follow you? I do. You could go to barryfury.com, B-A-R-R-Y. F-U-R-E-Y dot com. Um, or you can uh, get me uh, on email. Barry Fury, again, my name, no spaces, no fancy stuff, at uh, yahoo.com. Okay. So what's that one question that you think I forgot to ask you? One question? Oh, man, I had this and now it's out of my mind. Hang on. The one question that you forgot to ask me. Um... I think the one question might be about where the future and how technology is going to impact public safety. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about AI, but there are a lot of things out there that are becoming more commonplace as a work themselves into public safety. And there's some things out there that are really still on the drawing board because people haven't, haven't figured out how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Barry, for being my special guest. Can you stick around for Math Corners? I certainly can. Oak Ridge Gun Range is a family-oriented shooting range that has been in business for over 30 years. They specialize in basic firearm training and offer numerous services such as consignments, gun trades, gunsmithing, and concealed weapon classes. I even got my training for gun safety at Oak Ridge Gun Range great customer service, and firearm safety is what they do best. So find out more at OakRidgeGunRange.com. Tiberius' favorite subject, it's Math Corners! And now it's time for Math Corners. 
Thank you so much, Barry, for helping me with math corners. This week, we're going to do some more multi-step word problems. My dad's okay. always good at finding new problems for me to solve. Today, we're going to talk about saving money. Ooh, everyone likes saving money, don't they? So, Hanson earns money from doing chores. He saved $28 in, in September. He saved 18 in October and 29 in November. Then, Hanson put, spent $48 on a video game. How much money does Hanson have left? Well, first is a robo problem because we do know that video games can be expensive. But I hope he tried the demo first. So, to solve this issue, you first have to figure out you know, how much he saved and saved over months. And you have to add them together. So, 28 plus 18 is 46. And then add the 29 and you get 75. So, you subtract the cost of the game, which is $48. So, 75 minus $48 is $27. So, he has $27 left. It's great. So... Barry, do you ever have to go buy your own video games as a kid? I don't really like paying the tax, though. Um, Tiberius, when I was a kid, there were no video games, so no, I did not have to. But uh, seriously, uh, yeah, I used to, I used to buy them, and the you know back then it was game cartridges, and they plugged into some uh, before you had all your Xboxes and PS2s. You had things, again, like the Atari game console, mm -hmm. the Magnavox, Odyssey, and you would get cartridges that play, you know, plugged into them, and then it became, uh, for me, uh, games that worked on PCs rather than tablet-based or, uh, you know, proprietary-type uh, games. So, yeah, I've, I've over my okay. life, I've had to buy some, yeah. So, my teacher said that I would use math every day. How do you use math in your work? Oh, a, a lot of ways. Uh, a lot that you have to do as, as a manager, is, well, number one, you have to keep track of money yourself. And it's, it's not buying video games. That's true. It's paying telephone bills because mm -hmm. the telephone company actually charges 911 to provide the service. So, it's not like it's, it's free. And, of course, you've got to pay the electric bill. Uh, for the 911 center, you've got to pay all your employees. You've got to pay insurance for all those folks. You've got to pay your contractors and fix anything. And then you've got stats. Stats are what drives 911. You okay. have to be able to prove what you're doing. So, how many calls did we take? Um, A lot. How? Yeah. How? How long did we spend on that? How long did it take us to answer? How long did it take us to dispatch agencies out there? Uh, percentages. You get to use percentages a lot. Okay. We took more calls this yes. year than last year. Okay. How many, how much percent more? How many okay. percent were, were fire calls, were police calls, were ambulance calls? So, yeah, I mean, math and numbers are a nice. large part of my job. Well, thank you so much, Barry, for your help with Math Corners. You're welcome. Over 40 years, Lighthouse Central Florida has provided education, independent life skills, and job training to thousands of Central Floridians who live with blindness or any degree of vision loss. Whether it's picking up clothes in the morning or just moving around your community and serving Orange, Seminole, and Osceola counties, contact Lighthouse Central Florida at 407-898-2483 or visit them online at And now it's time for the heart of a lion. 
as you know, we talk about the qualities of living by the heart of a lion, which stands for leadership, integrity, obedience, and nobility. This week, we're going to talk about leadership. For me, I think leadership is the act of loving what is good, having self-control, and being disciplined. Well, the qualities of leadership are providing guidance and direction, organization, and being a positive influence on others. So this week, one of the repair guys came to fix the internet at the office, but the place he needed to go was locked. People in the building were looking around for a key or for someone that could open the door. My dad found out. He told me that I needed my help. He showed me a spot where I could climb up the wall and jump over safely to open the access door from the other side, and he quickly came up with a solution that got everyone their internet back up fast. That was being organized and providing direction to solve the issue as fast as possible. It was also pretty cool that I got to save the day as well. Especially using my newly parkour skills that I just learned. So, Barry, did you see or use leadership at all this week? Uh, yeah, I believe so. In fact, today, prior to this cast, uh, I provided a seminar uh, for other 911 personnel uh, across the country. Uh, and it really dealt with uh, reducing stress and trying to manage difficult people that you have to deal with quite frequently in 911. And these people came from basically all over the uh, United States, from the East Coast, all the way out to Montana. So pretty well uh, received. Uh, I shared my experience with other folks. They shared theirs. And I think we all came away with a, with a better understanding how mm-hmm. we can make, uh, make our life more, more productive and successful. Okay, well, of all of the Heart of a Lion virtues, which is the one that you see the most? Integrity. I think it's the one that means the most to me. Got um, it. Yeah, if you, you can't be true to yourself or true to your faith or true to your mission, uh, those are really, to me, just the basic important parts of life. So, yeah, the eye, uh, eyes have it as, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. But we should always try and be lying strong in everything we do, shouldn't we? Yes. The Tiberia Show would like to thank one of their dedicated sponsors, Custom Designs Orlando. These guys are on Mills Avenue and do all sorts of stuff, ranging from photo ID badges, engraved signs, custom Braille ADA signs, vinyl lettering to trophies and awards. The cool part about Custom Designs is they can ship products all over the United States. You can reach them at 407-898-0373 and tell them that Tiberius sent you. And that's our show, folks. I want to thank the one, the only, the amazing Barry for being on my show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. No problem. It's been such a fun time talking with you today. I think we learned a lot about the world of first responders and all the jobs in that field. Thank you. Do you mind giving your social media and website again? No problem at all. Uh, my website, barryfury.com, B-A-R-R-Y-F-U-R-E-Y.com. And you can catch me email, barryfury at yahoo.com. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tiberius Show. And I would like to thank WWPR 1490 AM, KINT 98, Soul Radio 24-7, and TV, and all the other stations that air on my show. And please, you should visit The Tiberius Show on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Hey, Barry, are you subscribed yet? 
Not yet, but I will be as soon as I get off. Thanks. Oh, and be sure to us next week on the Tiberius Show with your host, Tiberius Boy!